Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Just a quick reminder, if you did forget, we have our disappearing patron party tonight. I'm really looking forward to it. It starts at 8 p.m. Eastern. You can find the link at the Patreon page if you're a party-level patron. And uh, that's it. I'm pretty excited about that. But that isn't the top story of the day for anyone but probably me, us. The top story is Nancy Pelosi and her gang. It's it said that it's led by Democrats. Justin Amash, who's now an independent, does have some hand in, in the legislation that is being proposed across the board for police reform. So I personally think that they're, that policing is not personally think. It's in the Constitution. Policing is not a federal thing. It's not, should not be under the jurisdiction of Congress. They shouldn't have the FBI. None of that. There are only three crimes in the Constitution. But they are taught, they probably will say it goes to a 14th Amendment thing, a rights thing that they're allowed to <clears throat> legislate on that. I have a lot to say about it. I'm just going to tell you the three points that they're going to hit, and then we can kind of talk about what's been going on on the ground with the police and the protesters, what's sparking this, and then I'll get a little bit into the nitty-gritty of the policy. They say that the things they're going to really focus on are prodding, racial profiling, use of force standards, and qualified immunity. That's where AMASH is taking the charge, where the... Government officials are protected as individuals against personal liability for violating rights as long as the rights are not clearly statutory or constitutional rights. So if you violate somebody's rights, obviously, knowingly, you can be individually liable. But other than that, government agents can't be uh, can't are insulated from liability for something maybe less obvious to them about violating rights. And they, they, they want to pull back on that. Amash wants to dramatically pull back on that, if not eliminate it altogether. I think that a lot of this stuff might backfire. I'll tell you why, but let's just talk about what's actually happening. In the protest, what's happening? Yeah, like what do you see happening on the ground? I see intensifying protests, intensifying interactions between the police and rioters. There's been incidents of police officers being killed. There's the one guy who was in the pawn shop who was killed, the retired officer, David Dorn. I don't know. I didn't know that story. Can you remind, do you remember it offhand? I didn't see that one. Yeah, a retired police I mean, I officer. I headline, but I didn't know what it was. His name is David Dorn. He was killed in a pawn shop, a black police officer killed in a pawn shop. And this kind of sparks some outrage among other police officers. And the potential reaction to them is going to be harsher if stuff like that continues. And it has continued. Yesterday, there was a police officer who was stabbed in the neck. Somebody walked up to him casually, stabbed him in the neck, took his gun and shot two other police officers that was with him. So this, these types of things are going to make police officers react in a harsher way than they already are. And there's already the instance of police officers that are getting arrested, like the ones in Atlanta who are getting arrested for excessive force, the ones yesterday who shoved the old man down the ground who got arrested. So these clashes between the two 
could potentially boil boil over. And you have to think about it from a police officer's perspective here. Not only from their perspective are they seeing these attacks, people getting more emboldened to attacking police officers. They're seeing a precinct burned to the ground, being captured by rioters. They're seeing Democrat congressmen, maybe Republican congresspeople too, people like Stacey Abrams, bailing out protesters, rioters, and sending them, the people who were attacking the cops, from the cops' perspective, back out into the street. They're going to feel like they're under attack, and they're going to potentially react even worse. And this whole thing could blow up if we're not careful. Also, there's been pretty universal acknowledgement. Companies, Blackout Tuesday, there's been a lot of very supportive gesturing and words from across the board, corporate, America, media, everything. It's pretty clear that nobody wants to... Everybody wants to support an end to racism, an end to injustice, an end to inequality. That that kind of thing doesn't really work. If if what you need is conflict, you want to change the dialectic, you want to maintain a two-party system, there has to be another side to it. And that's what's always been the thing about black versus blue, is that they get the right to support the cops for reasons I remember when somebody ran up to a cop car and shot the cop in the face. That's right around the Ferguson time or in that era. And it allowed people to rally around the cops. So then you get real tension, real clashes of us versus us. And I feel like they had to show victimized cops in order to give people who are kind of don't really like being aren't really in the mood to aren't aren't they don't want to go around along with the crowd they want to push back on this and this is going to help them yeah and the dangerous thing here is they're going to try and pull the rest of us into one side or the other oh they're going to want you to take a side and neither side is good here neither side is a good side to be on in this situation not saying that there's not people that have good intentions on both sides but right now the people with not good intentions who are doing the bad things are the ones being amplified I don't want any part of this stuff. I want it to dissolve. I wouldn't go to those protests. I would be careful if you're going out there because it might seem like an interesting experience. And that's what I thought at first, too. It won't be that dangerous, but I'm starting to change my mind on that. You could get randomly hit by something, whether it's a rubber bullet from a police officer, a wooden two by four from a rioter. You don't know. I would stay away from that if it were me. And there's something that I saw on CNN and in an indivisible training session that I watched last night, a live training session. That is a theme that is being carried out right now. And that is this. They don't want people condemning those who are using violence. They want them to use violence. Violence is the tool that they believe is the best way to Indivisible. do what Indivisible. CNN. Here's what the CNN person said. The person on CNN who was talking, this person's name is Hannah Jones. She's a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist from the New York Times. She said... Peaceful protests did not bring about the great civil rights legislation of the 1960s. Black people being firebombed, water hosed, lynched, bitten by dogs, beaten to a pulp by police trying to march across a bridge is what brought about the changes. Violence. Wow, that's so interesting because so much of that stuff in the 60s was manipulated behind the scenes. I mean, even the anti-war draft marches and stuff had CIA background a little bit. Gloria Steinem was associated with the CIA. That's really interesting that she should put it that way because 
that that may be true, but that opens a whole can of worms as to really who's behind all this, who really wants these policy changes and why. Yeah. And she said that in the context of saying that the fact of history is that nonviolent protest has not been successful for black Americans. So she's saying these things in support of violent protests. The civil rights movement was not nonviolent, she added, saying that she believes black protesters courted violence by whites as a strategy, courted violence by whites as a strategy. This is bird dogging. Now that I recall, the Black Panthers was not did not become militant un- until this one guy, I feel like he was Vietnamese or something, or an Asian guy uh, of Asian origin, brought in weapons to them, and he was later exposed as having worked for, I think, the FBI. I forget the guy's name, but he's famous. People will know who he is. So they actually made the Black Panthers militant on purpose. So her arguments may not may not may not reflect reality it's kind of like the way Stacey Abrams burnt the flag when the flag was being changed yeah interesting now here's what the person who was arguing the opposite side arguing that violence isn't the best way this is what this person said this is Omar Wasau he's a researcher that works with world of charts and data he said racism on the use of violence, he said, it might be moral, it might be just, says he says of violence, but it's not strategic. So he's okay with the violence. He just doesn't think it's the best strategy in this situation. And the article goes on to talk about how they need to stop evoking Martin Luther King in the context of these riots or these protests to the young people because people evoke Martin Luther King to say, don't use violence. So stop evoking him because you're going to cause people to not take action. And I saw this, I heard this on multiple different platforms. The other one being this indivisible training that I watched, which is really interesting. I can tell you about that in a minute if you have something. I just wanted to say that guy was Richard Aoki, A-O-K-I. I think it was COINTELPRO that they really were the ones to make this stuff violent. And that's truly the pathocracy I'm talking about when I say that. It's when the government goes out of its way to create bad situations so they can get what they want at our expense. So that's why I'm so suspicious of the policy items that might come out of this. Obama's policing protocols was full of really good sentiment. It talks about keeping it local. It's great. You dig in, you see that it was fostered by the Google Foundation and a bunch of other stuff, labor unions, I don't know what. But I, I just have to be suspicious because they are not there for us. They are they promote this stuff a lot of times. And by they, in this case, I mean the CIA or the FBI or whatever is functioning in that capacity for the government right now. Yeah, and the organizers of this protest, whoever they're working for, they're getting these people to go on the front lines and provoke the officers and provoke white people into committing acts of violence on them. They're courting violence, as was encouraged in this article. And what do you care about those individuals who do that? That's what I'm out there. Yeah. Yeah. Those people end up hurt. They end up with a, a record, a prison record. Meanwhile, the person who organized it and got them to do it is increasing their political power and lining their pockets and forgetting about all the people who now have a prison record and their life is affected by them. They are conning you. If you're going to these protests, and you're doing these things. You are being conned 
I feel like the COVID thing has some of the same elements where people at the top who are not affected by it, who live in gated communities or are in their ivory towers, don't really don't care at all about real lives lost, real pain. They want their agenda. They see this as a weapon. It's they are totally outside the realm of morality, I think. Yeah. And these protests are able to persist especially if we keep getting more stimulus checks and you don't have to go make any money. So you're free to go spend your days protesting, knowing you're going to have that stimulus check coming in. That's as old as the hills. That's the thing where they get the college kids to do it because they have nothing to do or they give you the day off. That's what I thought was interesting about the Black Tuesday thing is that they gave people the day off the way the government will give the worker the their workers off on Election Day. But the private sector doesn't. So they all go vote. Yeah. It's interesting about the students. A large portion of these protesters are from Spelman and Morehouse, the traditional black colleges in Georgia. There's in Atlanta. They're all concentrated in that same area. And that is where Stacey Abrams got cut her teeth is at Spelman. And these two kids that were arrested, not arrested, that got into this altercation with the police that resulted in the police getting arrested, six of them for excessive use of force. I suspect... I did when I first heard the story, and I still do. Now I'm going to look into it more, that these are trained activists, potentially trained under Stacey Abrams, who were doing a little bit of what we're seeing here, provoking. Not It's not justified. The cops shouldn't have acted the way that they did, but I believe they got exactly what they wanted. Well, you have to remember, I think, that the people you're dealing with as regular rank and file government workers from cops and firemen and postal, wherever they are not operating at the same level of kind of propaganda of the deed as the people who are coming down from the top to manipulate them. So it, my mother always says free will, you're hundred percent responsible for your own actions. And that is true. You really need to, but not everybody is ready for being manipulated and if they're not being trained to see that coming if they're being trained to do something else they might not know how to react yeah and people pulling out hammers reaching for their waistband like they got something on them gonna draw out a taser from the police absolutely trained to overreact to any i mean to put down the threat that's the yeah so maybe they're in their minds a lot of the protesters minds they probably feel like Let's use their bad behavior against them. That's exactly what I think. Yeah, it wouldn't be surprised if that's actually the mantra. I think we might see the future Stacey Abrams come out of this protest. It could very well be one of these two kids that were arrested, the one from Spelman and Morehouse, because they've been interviewed on every television station. Mm -hmm. They've given speeches, although they don't speak as well as Stacey did when she was that age. But there will be a future politician come out of this protest, and they will be one of the organizers, one of the people who led some of the stuff, because it'll be put on their resume. That's how Stacey Abrams catapulted her political career in the beginning, is she led and organize some of the, quote, marches during the Rodney King riots in Atlanta. All uh, I've been revisiting her internships, and I never noticed this before, but many of them say, because she was young and they're hugely powerful, many of them say that they are, they are designed to identify young up-and-coming people to have an international network over the next 
several decades. So they're designed to identify, train, and plug them in to a, an organization where they can get their marching orders from, from, from a really heady elite, just like the COVID thing. I mean, it's the same kind of operators, the World Economic Forum, that kind of thing. Yeah, she's highly connected, and so will whoever comes out of this protest as the next. It's almost like an audition, these things. They could just show yeah, their ability to organize. Look into the person who's doing it, and they. I wouldn't be surprised if they went to something like the Telluride program in high school. Yeah, me either. And I want to tell you about this Indivisible live training right after this word from our sponsor. What's up, guys? With everything going on in the world right now, it couldn't be a better time to grow your own food. Or if you're like me, to learn how to grow your own food. Something that I've wanted to learn how to do for a long, long time because I want to learn how to live a more sustainable lifestyle. That's why I'm thrilled to have found Neighbors Feed and Seed in Smyrna, Georgia, one of the most welcoming, friendly, and truly helpful places that I have ever been to in my life. They offer affordable, high-quality garden supplies, vegetable plants, bird feeds, chicken feeds, premium pet food, just about anything you can think of, and they got it. And they got it at affordable prices that the big box stores cannot compete with. And the best part about it is that they're locally owned by a fantastic group of folks who are happy to answer any growing or planting questions that you may have. It's the kind of personalized customer service that a beginner like me needs. I'm going to be honest with you. I love Neighbors Feed and Seed. I would hang out there all the time if I could. They would have to kick me out, which they wouldn't do because they're too welcoming and friendly to do it. It's that kind of place, and you can feel it as soon as you walk through the door. So if you are in the Smyrna area... Go to Neighbors Feed and Seed. I promise you, you will thank me later. Maybe I'll see you there. In the meantime, you can check out their website at NeighborsFeedandSeed.com. That's NeighborsFeedandSeed.com. Or if you have any questions, give them a call at 678-653-8838. That's 678-653-8838. And make sure you tell them that the propaganda reports see you. I also want to say that the guys over at Neighbors have put together a special seed packet bundle for listeners that consists of a lot of non-GMO seeds, enough to start a mini farm, basically. And you can get that for $27.99, a price well below the typical price that you're going to find. And you can even get 10% more off of that if you use the discount code PROPAGANDA. And included in your package, you're going to get some instructions, you're going to get some sticker swag, and you're going to get a personal note included in every single order. So check that out. Coupon code PROPAGANDA. They're doing e-commerce now. You're going to love it. Before we get on with the show, I wanted to give a shout out to Andrew, who Andrew in Alaska, who's a patron saint, and I believe he works... Let's just read what he, what he said. He said, shout out to all my tactful, patient, professional brother and sister colleagues in law enforcement. We all know how much harder our jobs are made when trust is eroded by rashness. Looking forward to a thorough hearing of the facts. Do a f- oh, This is from a few days ago before stuff went crazy. I think from maybe June 1st. Do a foot patrol once in a while. It's good for your soul and community bonds. So this is Andrew who wants to keep us uh, informed as to what maybe it looks like from the other side. I can't imagine what it would be like to be a police officer right now with all of the media basically making you the demon, the defund police thing going on, the attacks that we talked about earlier. I'm not saying that all cops are behaving properly. They're not. Some are. Some We're not hearing the stories of the good interactions. We're not hearing the stories of the good protesters or the good police or the good protesters and the good police working together. We see them here and there, but we don't see them like the bad stuff. 
Well, he's saying don't be rash. So I, I, think uh, so that's I agree. Advice. Don't be rash. Yes. All right. So I watched this indivisible training. I sucked it up and said, you know what? I'm going to watch this torturous, boring, awkward live training that they do. And it was exactly that. It was torturous and it was boring and it was live. And it was a bunch of white women. They even, they even pointed out the fact that they have hardly any black people in there, but that they are all good white allies and they were there to train you about how to talk to other white people to teach them how racist they are and how they can learn to be good allies like them. And they give you a bunch of resources too. One of the things they emphasized, similar to the CNN article, was that stop talking about Martin Luther King. Basically, Martin Luther King was wrong, not peaceful protest. Because violence, the definition of violence, changes over the years. She said, she actually said that. What violence in a protest is changes over the years. Women's suffrage, they were seen as being radical and violent, and now they're seen as heroes. So you can be seen as a hero if you're violent right now. That's the implication. And then they said, so that's two, two places saying don't listen to Martin Luther King. I played a clip a long time ago about, of Stacey Abrams. She was asked during a speech, I think, at the Brookings Institute or the Chatham House, one of those globalist think tanks that she goes to all the time. She was asked about the problem of identity politics. Don't you think identity politics is a problem? What about what Martin Luther King said about the content of your character? Abrams said, don't listen to Martin Luther King. That's not even what he meant. You don't know what he meant. And she reinterpreted it to say he loved identity politics. He loved making things all about race. And I, I think all this stuff is connected. I think they're trying to discredit Martin Luther King with these protests. But they also said... Well, they did. They have done that in the past. I remember Booker T. Washington used to be uh, a hero. And then they kind of... You're yeah. supposed to sort of distance from him because right. he said stuff like bootstrapping and everything. Yeah. They said that we are not allowed to judge the way that a black person protests. So you're not allowed. And she's talking about people using violence and setting things on fire and hitting people with two by fours. You are not allowed to judge the way that they express their anger, even if it's in, even if it's in violence. Therefore, it's OK if they are using violence and protesting. And it was interesting that they said a black person because it's not just black people that are using violence. In fact, a lot of times it's been white guys or white women even who are being the violent ones. So for them, that and was that was racial prof they were racial profiling in their <laughs> seminar trying to teach people how to not be racist. It's, it was ridiculous. Dude, and what they I can't even Yeah, what they did is they did role playing they did some fun role playing where they played cousins. One of the cousins was clearly an insensitive person who didn't realize how racist they were, while the other one was a little bit woke and they were talking about in their role play. Well, so how are you feeling right now? Well, I'm good. I'm just really depressed that our town and city is just getting torn up. Why would they tear up their own city? To which the other one's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What happened to them was a lot worse. It's okay that they're tearing up your city. You have no right to judge them. So these talking points that they gave them scripts to, they then, they then performed them for the viewers. And then they gave a side-by-side -side of how to have a conversation with a white person. And it would say, they say this, we say this. They say that, we say this. They gave them exactly what to say, like those scripts on the Indivisible website in the different situations responding to the different arguments to, talk to people do like what regular people in their lives that's what this is for like yes they're telling them how to talk people i i thought i was seeing some of that P 
people almost reading off a script. Saying, yeah. and, I, and I'm thinking, wow, that's so weird that, that that thing that didn't seem like a big deal to me triggered you. And then I look around the corner and this other person's super triggered by that too. Where did that come from? Here's and a- it really seemed scripted. I actually- It's definitely scripted. I think it it probably goes on and on. I mean, that script has to be how you'd have to have every possible scenario, and I'm sure they did. They have a bunch of scenarios. It was like an hour and a half. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, I get it. I get it. But I I want to just point out what I think that all of this I believe is leading to the reform, where. The reform, in my opinion, and I thought this after Ferguson, is that when they started to pull back on inner city policing, it doesn't really affect people who don't depend on inner city policing, but they disarm people in the inner cities and they have uh, drug violence and all that kind of stuff. And then they really have problems if they can't count on the cops to be there for them. So as this becomes a national policy so that every inner city kind of starts to change their behavior in a way that feels kinder, gentler. I like a lot of the sentiments of how there should be some transparency and controls and accountability and all of that. But I can't help but think just like when Baltimore had a record number of murders after they kind of implemented these policies there, that the response is going to be a massive crackdown that includes a ton of surveillance, automation, drones. I feel like this is set up to backfire or there's some details that we're not seeing. They're going to create an independent body probably to monitor the cops. They're tying federal money to these policing, to the adoption of these policing initiatives, which is the way the federal government gets around the 10th amendment. They're creating databases for police misconduct, which I understand that's not a bad idea, but I feel like they're this I think they're looking for the classic kind of New World Order mantra. I think it's Novus Ordo Seclorum, something like that. Did you ever hear that? Order out of chaos. Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. And I just feel like they're trying to create the chaos so they can pull the order out. And the order is going to be 21st century technocracy, just like everything else is going to be. Yeah, they've had police helicopters flying above, police planes flying above the protest with some technology inside of them that can steer your phone signal to them and they can track your location. They also have all that gate recognition, not just facial recognition. Mm-hmm. Body cams, I'm sure, are going to be a big part of this. To which an app has been developed to enable protesters, specifically to help protesters fuzzy out the faces in their photos. So in other words... You're taking photos and video of yourself committing criminal activity. We're going to help you cover it up. That's what that but sounds like to surely me. underneath it all, the real picture is You can there. probably still get it. I, I can imagine. not to mention that your phone, can, can it be extremely accurately pinpointed that you were in the vicinity of this crime? If those helicopters or planes are up yeah. above, yeah, I'm sure it can. So with all of this... Oh, did I mention that there are only three crimes in the Constitution, yet Bill Barr, this was a featured article today in the Washington Post, that if you were in D.C., you would see there's federal officers everywhere, federal like law enforcement. Did I mention this, that they, they have increased the federal or the law enforcement uh, 
by 50,000 people since 9-11. And I just wanted to point out that there are only three crimes in the Constitution, piracy, counterfeiting, and treason, that there really should be no federal law enforcement, certainly beyond counterfeiting. That's just the fact. So this trend, I feel like, is all part of what's happening, that it's just getting to where the federal government has all the control. Yeah, this could get out of control very quickly if they don't stop. They have the power to stop it. They can stop race baiting. They can stop putting headlines that are intentionally misleading to cause the most division. We'll see if they do stop. I have a top 10 list, an updated top 10 list of potential VP candidates for Joe Biden. Would you like to hear a few of them? I would love to hear that. I have to point out, people do think that he is not even going to get the nomination. And after yesterday's gaffe where he said 10 to 15 percent of Americans are just really not very good people. So it was his basket of deplorables moment. But still, I would be interested to hear who's who's on the short list now. Stacey Abrams comes in at number seven. Whoa, what happened to her? Other polls have her higher. Okay. CNN one has her at number seven. Coming in at number two, Keisha Lance Bottoms. Whoa! Because of the I way she's Tim handling Andrews. the protest. I know you were on it too, but I remember Tim Andrews DM'd us very early on that she was, she, he was the first person I saw mention that, that he thought she would be the, a VP. Yeah, this has been her moment to really step has. forward. I actually did a hashtag, Bottoms Rising. that could be you you might get a bunch of other interesting videos that show up around that hashtag (laughs) say i don't think like that (laughs) number one kamala harris knights templar herself she's the law and order chick right yeah she is the law and order chick you're right yeah and i saw an article comparing trump to nixon about law and order similar to how you were talking about well this is what they're saying which way is it going to go that what that chick said about the civil rights and the violence and how you don't get any changes without violence what you got in 1968 was richard nixon you got the drug war that's what you got you got an absolute massive crackdown and a complete ghettoization of the post segregated world yeah it just they just completely misdirected all of that energy into an even arguably uh more insidious institution yeah did i say that stacy abrams is bailing out protests she, i did say that she's one of the yes. ones that's bailing out protests. she admitted that on tv the other day one final quick story that i think that you might get a kick out of will protests spread COVID 19 the police response is the more likely culprit. I can't believe that they're already flipping that dialectic. So that for me was the counterpoint to the lockdown being the lockdown protesters being blamed for COVID. I said, oh, well, then this will give that the right, that dialectical thing being mad at the protesters. But now they already have the counter argument ready. That's when I start calling it the trialectic. Yeah, they got to get that twisted lo- logic drilled into people's heads early to get this one to work. How is it the police response? Because they're kettling? Probably tear gas, probably grabbing people, rounding them up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. you know, standing right next to people. 
not wearing them and not following any of the rules that they were trying to make everybody else follow before, that doesn't have anything. Well, unbelievably, the market is almost where it was before all of this started. So people do not seem to be factoring in the possibility of a phase two. I can't see any way around it, but let's talk about it in the Patreon 15. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every day that we post a DNB, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. Well, talk to you next week.